This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Harry's. For guys who want a great shave experience for a fraction of what you're paying now, go to harrys.com, get $5 off your first purchase by entering the promo code FOOL when you check out. It's Thursday, July 21st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Matt Argusinger. Thanks for being here. Yeah, always. We are wrapping up deep dive week. Next week, we'll we'll get back to you know I'll be I'll be back from Canada and, and we'll get back to uh, sort of the the day to day business news. But uh, we're going to talk Amazon at our recent Full Fest event. Wasn't this your stock for the next ten years? It was. It was. Your, that was one of the breakout sessions that we did. It was on the main stage. You and a bunch of other analysts and advisors. Um, I know you're a fan of this business, but let's start to dig into it and and sort of the the metrics uh, that investors can use to evaluate it. But let's start with the main engine of this. This is certainly a much more diverse business than it was, say. Certainly, fifteen years ago, but even ten years ago. It is. It is. But really, it's the same thing driving it, Chris. I mean, if you look at something that Jeff Bezos has talked about almost from day one, he's talked about this flywheel, this virtuous cycle that Amazon's business depends on. And here, in a nutshell, here it is: you have you give lower prices, lower prices drive more customer visits, more customer visits drives more sales, more sales volume brings third-party retailers who pay Amazon commissions to get their wares in front of these new customers. That allows Amazon to leverage its fulfillment centers, its distribution, its its servers, lower prices even further, more customer visits. The virtuous cycle just keeps repeating. And this is no matter what Amazon's gone into, whether it is uh, you know just plain old online retail, whether it's Amazon Web Services, whether it's digital streaming, it's always about lower prices, more customer visits, getting more leverage over your costs. Repeat, lower prices and repeat, uh, and. So there's that. That is the driver of the business, in my view. Now, what they have today that they didn't have ten years ago is prime, and by all estimates, it's anywhere between fifty and seventy million. About how many prime members? Wait a minute. Are we up to that number? We are up to that number. The the, the best sort of well, the consensus median mean estimate I see out there is sixty three million. That's kind of where a lot of research is landing. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. A year ago, weren't we talking about maybe it was a year and a half ago, we were talking that the range was 20 to 25. Well, I think or or am I I, I no, might not I, be remembering. No, you know, I think it's just been we've been ratcheting it up. I remember a year ago it was it was 30 to 40 was kind of the maybe at the end of a, I don't know, a year ago. And by the way, this is you and a lot of other analysts who study this company trying to read the tea leaves as best you can. Yes. Because at no point has Amazon ever come out and said, "This is how many." No, we we're spitballing, <laughs> but we feel like I mean, analysts, we feel like we we've got a range, and the range right now is let's call it sixty million. So you have sixty million members who are paying Amazon, you know, roughly a hundred dollars a year, and they get all kinds of benefits for that. But what Amazon gets out of that is an incredibly loyal customer base who's not only paying them this nice, you know, membership fee, constant recurring streaming revenue, but these customers on average are spending more than double what the average Amazon customer is selling. It's it's some peg it is around average around $1200 a year. I don't know about you, but I feel like I spend a lot more as a prime <laughs> member than that. So, you've got the flywheel of this business. Now you have a a loyal, sticky, huge now, massive customer base. That by the way can get a lot bigger. Um, in Amazon, and those to me are just now the driving engines of the business. 
it's pretty incredible because when you were you were talking about the the flywheel, one of the things I was thinking about was how this is something that Amazon hasn't really pulled back the curtain on, and certainly kept this very close to the vest for a long time. And and over time, people started to figure this out, and and they have sort of revealed a little bit more about this. But I think the thing that a lot of people on Wall Street missed about Amazon for, I'm going to say, the first, let's call it, 10 years of their business, um, is the analytical side. The the fact that it's you know because I think it was easy to just sort of look well it's a website that sells stuff there are a lot of websites that sell stuff and nobody was really thinking about the degree to which Jeff Bezos and his team were analyzing every single bit of data and using that data to inform improvements both to the site the customer experience and also. To what they're going to sell. Oh yeah, I mean, if you, we we talk a lot about Facebook and Google, the big data companies. These companies know everything about you. They know what you like. They know where you're going. They know where you're visiting. They know where you're eating. But if you think about it, Amazon was the first big data company. And not only that, the data that Amazon has to me is the most powerful data in the world because this is these are customers spending dollars. They're voting with their feet and their wallets, uh, and no company has that kind of data. And so Amazon's ability to Gather that data, use that data, make decisions, come out with new products, new services based on that data and based on customer behavior. is It's, it's massive. In terms of the competitive landscape, this is another business. Uh, Simon Erickson and I were talking the other day about Alphabet. Um, in, the, in the same way as Alphabet, uh, if you're asking where does Amazon sit on the competitive landscape, on the top is the <laughs> answer. Right. Um, it, it, but just in terms of, in terms of, Retail competition. What do you see when you when you look out there? Because it seems like, if we're talking general retail, there's not a whole lot to be worried about. That's not to say that that Bezos and his team aren't appropriately paranoid, uh, but it seems like we're seeing niche retailers have more success online than general retailers. Yes, uh, it's. It's really actually hard, I think, to pinpoint. You know, so if we use sort of the model of just traditional retail, right? Amazon is by far the Walmart of traditional retail, and so as far as Walmart's eviscerated mom and pop stores and other discount retailers for years, Amazon's essentially doing that to anyone who tries to really do that online. Where, yeah, where there are niche players, we talk about uh, Wayfair now and then. Um, Companies that that really specialize in certain areas, and and Amazon for whatever reason hasn't really broached too much into that area. But again, a lot of these, even even the niche players, are eventually either already using Amazon or eventually going to use Amazon because it just makes sense for them to do that. That's where you're going to re- reach the most customers. I will say this though, just about Amazon. We we think of Amazon as this dominant company, and it really is. Uh, but put this put it in context. You know, um, only eight percent of total Retail sales in the U.S. take place online. Well, at least as of last year, uh, and you know, if you strip out things like like gas and, and restaurant sales, it's a 3.2 trillion dollar retail market in the U.S. on an annual basis. Amazon has 100 billion in revenue. That's that's less. That's about three percent of that. And so, you know, you throw out big numbers like those prime numbers. You throw out 100 billion in revenue and everything that Amazon is doing, and the fact that it's Especially for younger people, such an intricate part of their shopping lives, right? But Amazon, 
is still so much you know farther to grow. And, and Walmart just to, you know Walmart is accounts for about fifteen percent of total retail sales in the United States. Amazon's at three percent. Just let that sink in for a second as we talk about Amazon's you know competitive position. What do you think is the threat that uh, that they're focused on? What in, I, I, I was I was going to say. What do you think is the threat that keeps Jeff Bezos up at night? I don't know that there necessarily is one, but but what do you think is the the biggest threat that uh, that they see? Well, first, my first risk is that I hope Amazon or I hope Jeff Bezos keeps waking up every day, <laughs> you know, as he goes to sleep, because in my view, he culturally innovative. He he's the innovative heart of the company. If he leaves or he decides he wants to take a rocket to Mars and you know that doesn't work out, that that's a huge risk to Amazon. But in in more short term, I think and and you hear you're starting to hear rumblings about this. I still think it's the regulatory antitrust actions that could potentially start coming to, toward Amazon as they, especially as they expand abroad. I mean it's in the U.S. we're kind of lax when it comes to uh, companies that are expanding, like you know, or Google, Facebook, that have such dominant uh, mind share already. But it, it is a true risk. I think. I think even politicians now are starting to talk about the fact that Amazon just seems to be dominating every. I was going to say Donald Trump has been very yes. pointed in his remarks about, about yeah, Jeff Bezos. I, so I, I don't think any of this is really serious right now. But I do think a year, two, three years from now, we're going to talk a lot more about antitrust actions when it comes to Amazon. All right. Uh, before we move on, I got to say a word about Harry's. Um, I said this the other day. I love Harry's products. I've been using them for years. They, uh, they ship it right to your doorstep. You don't have to. You don't have to stand in line at the drugstore. You don't have to wait for someone to unlock the plexiglass safe. Uh, because uh, and they're behind there because razors are so expensive. Uh, but uh, but not at Harry's. That's why uh, two guys started it. They wanted to create a better shaving experience at an affordable price. And it's easy to get started uh, because it takes less than 30 seconds to place an order. Uh, go to harrys.com. They'll give you $5 off your first purchase with the promo code FOOL. Um, and you'll see why over a million guys have made the switch to Harry's. So, harrys.com, check it out and make sure you enter the promo code FOOL when you're checking out. Um, all right. The earnings report comes out for Amazon. What are the first couple of things that you are looking at to get a sense of how they did? Amazon is still today, even as big as it is, it's still to me a revenue story. So we're looking at revenue growth top line overall. Uh, I would, but I'd say this: I, I've, especially in recent years, I've paid a lot more attention to international revenue growth. For a long time, for whatever reason, uh, Amazon, Amazon's international revenue growth really struggled. I mean, it, it was growing, but it, it was kind of lagging behind U.S. retail sales. And but recently, it's really been picking up. And I think that as an investor. To see that segment grow um, either in line or even faster than U.S. retail sales or North American retail sales, that's that's really important to me. I want to keep watching that. Other than that, I mean, the one thing I pay attention to, uh, you know, always every quarter, there are so many analysts that just you know uh, begrudge Amazon's lack of profitability. I mean, but one metric to really pay attention to is operating cash flow. A lot of people don't know this, but Amazon. Uh, for for being called not profitable or not caring about profits, they generated about eleven billion dollars in operating cash flow over the last twelve months. That's huge. Now that includes there's some adjustments in there's working capital, there's stock based compensation. I get all that, but again, that's that's money hitting the cash register for Amazon on the operating side. That's a big number, and I, I watch that all the time, and it's been accelerating, especially as a lot of Amazon's business, including web services, really starts to turn it on and mature. 
So, you know, again, from that lens, we think Amazon is an expensive stock. It is expensive. But if that number keeps climbing as fast as it has been recently, Amazon's not that expensive as a stock, especially when you think about the growth in the market opportunity they still have. I'm glad you mentioned web services. Do they do they break that out specifically? They do. And they say this is this is what the revenue from AWS was. Yes, and they they, they didn't as of about eighteen months ago, but now they have. Um, and I think that's. Been... <laughs> do you think they started breaking it out because it started to get impressive? Oh sure. Anytime you have a, a, a segment where revenue and profits are growing in excess of fifty percent, I think that's a segment you want to start highlighting. Um, I, I think we've talked about this before. Uh, Bezos earlier this year was out in California at the Recode conference. Walt Mossberg interviewed him for nearly an hour and a half. I watched the whole thing. It was it was really interesting to to see him in that setting, um, and and two of my takeaways. One is he wants you to buy stuff. Like we and we were talking before about Prime and 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 yes, they're still focused on the customer and 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 I, I'm I'm not saying this in a negative way, but there were times where. He would literally look at the audience and say, "No, no, no! Really, go go online and buy, and buy some stuff." Like you, you get that for all the other side projects, and and there aren't a lot of these questions about Bezos, but every once in a while you'll see you'll see people saying, "Well, why is he bothering with the space stuff, and why are they doing that?" And it's like, you know what? At his heart, he is someone. He's a guy running a store, and he's he's very focused on that. Yeah. But when he talked about Amazon Web Services, it was uh, it was clear that that was something that started as as a test, as they test a lot of different things. Um, but I think the way he couched it was, if if we had gone out and surveyed a bunch of people and said, "Is this a business we should start on our own?" Resoundingly, the answer would have been no. And it's 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 pretty interesting that they decided to do that. And you look at how it's um, kind of like before when we were talking about the data and the way that they analyzed data was kept behind the curtain for a while. Amazon Web Services was sort of the revenue generating version of that, where you didn't really focus on Amazon Web Services, and then all of a sudden they started sharing some more details, and then it's, that's when. A lot of companies just sort of looked at them and said, "Oh my God, they've they've got a golden goose." Yeah, it it, it is. Well, just again, I think you read, if you read Bezos's shareholder letters annually going back, um, you know, many years ago, he 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 mentioned or referenced the, the fact that the amount of that users and businesses were using Amazon's architecture, and that you know they're doing a lot of interesting things and trying a lot of interesting things, and this all goes back again to that core thing about Amazon wanting to be. The most customer-centric company in the in the world in, on Earth, and uh, so whatever they're doing, whoever they're serving, um, they want to keep making. I thought on the last shareholder that it was just it was striking. He said it was he you know Bezos was saying he wants to make it almost irresponsible for you not to be a Prime member. And again, this is all about I want to give you so much as a customer, so much so many features, so many benefits, so many so much service, so many such good prices. Uh, that you're irresponsible not to come to Amazon and buy something, uh, and whether that's AWS or just the the regular retail business, it's it's what drives everything he's doing. Let's talk about Bezos. Um, he's uh, not old, but he's he's also not young. And um, although the, the, you look at, you know, you listen to him talk about this business or or just sort of the way they they have the approach of a young, hungry. Company and I think Bezos, as you mentioned, is certainly the driver of that. He said at that uh, sit down with Walt Mossberg, Mossberg was like, "Well, you know, where are you going to be in five years?" He said, "I want to be right here." So, as a shareholder, 
I looked at, I just said, okay, good. That buys us five more years of Bezos. <laughs> but in terms of the management team, when we look at this, what, who else is on the bench? Because at some point, and it's not in the next five years, but maybe, mm-hmm. f- you know, five years hence, I think it becomes very reasonable to start asking questions of Jeff Bezos. Are you planning for someone else to run this company? Not because he's old, not because he's not healthy, but I think you can look to the example of Bill Gates mm-hmm. stepping aside at Microsoft when he did, when he clearly had other things he wants to do that right. he wanted to do. Right. Bezos has other things he wants to do right now for the foreseeable future. It still very much includes running Amazon. Yeah, this this is a tough one. Amazon, for whatever reason, this is not. You know Jeff Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg. Um, it's Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. I was going to say, and it's not Reed Hoffman and Jeff Weiner or uh, or Sarah J. Brin and Larry Page. It's there's not this other person that or we even talk about. Gates and at the time, longtime chief operating officer Steve Ballmer. Correct. And so there is. I mean, there's Brian Olsofsky. He's been there. Uh, he's Amazon's chief financial officer. He handles all the conference calls. He's been there for about 14 years. Probably the closest guy, if if something if Bezos decided to say step into a chairman role or you know a non CEO role, but other than that, Amazon doesn't. There's never this other team or other person that's out there that that is sort of waiting in the online or on the bench, as you say. And so I think it's something they're going to have to start talking about. At the same time, you you do look at Bezos, and I believe he's right at fifty, maybe maybe early fifties. I, th- I think he's. Like I want to say he's like fifty-two. Or okay, something. let's let's say early fifties. Early fifties. So, comparing that to, I don't know, Warren Buffett, right? Who, by the way, Amazon's market cap just just surpassed Berkshire Hathaway's, amazingly or not. Wow. But I, I see, I I see we still have maybe a thirty-year-plus window of Bezos at least being. Moderately involved in the business, and that's that's outstanding. I think if you're an investor in shareholder in Amazon, do you think? Let me back up. I don't think, based on everything I've observed of Bezos to this point, I don't think that he's the type of leader who will telegraph when he's leaving, and who is going. I don't think it's going to be a thing where. Oh, you know, five years from now, it's like, and we have a new chief operating officer, and and you, and it's clear that that person is being groomed to take the helm. And by the way, that's that's not a knock on Bezos. I I you know, you look back at Costco and Jim Cynical. That's exactly how that got handled. I mean, we had Cynical here. I think it was two thousand nine. I asked him about succession planning as delicately as you can when <laughs> when someone is in their sixties, and he basically said, "Yeah, we've got it covered." We we have a plan in place, you know. We we're, we're not going to. And then it was at the bottom of an earnings press release. You know, they came out with their quarterly earnings. If you remember, and it was just like, here's what Costco did this quarter. And then at the bottom, it was like, and by the way, Jim Senegal is resigning as of this date, and Craig Jelinek is taking over. I I I sort of look at that and I go, I think that's how Bezos might do it. I think so, and I think Amazon would be one of those companies that could get away with doing that. This day, these days, with even gosh, and that was only you know seven years ago. But these days, with I think the the attention, the media attention, social media, and the the activism from private equity and other investors um, with with companies, it's it's going to be really hard for a company not to telegraph a move, especially one that's as significant as this. I mean, I remember what Steve Jobs and Apple kind of had to go through so many questions for so many years, right? And it finally happened, and you know, it was it was a momentous moment, but it kind of there was a lot of build up to it. You're right. I, I totally agree with you. And Amazon's probably one of the few companies that can get away with sort of having no, or at least a, a sudden succession, you know, out of nowhere. 
Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Thank you.